The infamous affair of the diamond necklace began with a piece of jewelry and ended with a royal downfall. The players in this caper include some of the most powerful people in history. Marie Antoinette, her husband, King Louis XVI, the old King Louis XV, as well as an alluring mistress named Madame du Barry and a sly con woman named Jean de Lamotte. Mix them all together, plus an incredibly expensive bauble, and you have the 18th century's most fascinating heist. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. I'm Veronica. I'm Dancy. And this season of the show is all about historical true crime. We are exploring history's dark side through courtroom dramas, executions, disappearances, mysterious deaths, and much, much more. This week, we're talking about the Ocean's Eight (laughs) of the 18th century, the infamous affair of the diamond necklace. All right, picture this. It's 1772 in Paris. The current King Louis XV is a pretty old man, and his son, also named Louis, because there are three names in France, um, has just... Good callback (laughs) to to one of our solid jokes. (laughs) Thank you. you. Um, His son, Louis, has just married Marie Antoinette, who probably needs no introduction to our listeners. Now, let me tell you, the old King Louis XV was a horn dog. This guy had some of the most famous mistresses in history, including Madame de Pompadour. And just like the sheer quantity of women who he romanced was incredible. (laughs) But the woman he was courting now was Madame du Berry, who was 33 years younger than him. And so King Louis XV really wanted to impress her with his wealth because he didn't have much else to impress her with. LOL. Good burn. (laughs) (laughs) So Louis commissions a diamond necklace to, again, impress Madame du Berry from the luxury jewelers Charles-Auguste Beaumer and Paul Bassange. And it's not just any diamond necklace that he's commissioning from them. The original isn't extant for reasons that we'll get into, but we do have a reproduction of it. And damn, this necklace is beautiful. I mean, it's really hard to describe it, so you should probably just look it up. But it's like as if... You had um, sort of strands of diamonds just going down your whole chest. It's it's incredible. It's not a necklace. It's more like a chest ornament. It's very elaborate. You should not be picturing like a little pendant. <laughs> it's it's not. No. <laughs> this is the Rihanna of diamond necklaces. Shine bright like a diamond. It's show stopping. It is, and well, it should be because it cost. million and took years to complete. A fantastic amount of time was poured into this necklace by Bassange and Bomer. And that amount of time that they took to create this necklace becomes an enormous problem. Because the old King Louis XV croaks before the necklace is done. And then... Madame du Barry, who was never popular with the younger generation in France, gets basically banished from court by the new king, Louis XVI. What does this mean? Awkward situation. Yeah. My friends, Beaumont and Bassange now have their dicks in their hands. I can think of no other way to put it than that. They've just spent a ton of money on this necklace and received next to no payment, because these are in the days where, like, you assume that a king's going to have enough money, so you just do it. The woman it was going to go to, the necklace was going to go to, is now banished from court. She's not around anymore. 
And it's so expensive. This necklace is so expensive that they can really only reasonably expect a monarch or very rich aristocrat to purchase it. So the pool is small. So they've got to fix this quickly or otherwise they're like out $14 million. No pressure, guys. Yeah, none at all. So in an act of desperation, they actually try to sell it to Marie Antoinette and her husband. Smart thinking, like, let's just go on to the, to the next monarchs. Um, and, you know, Marie Antoinette's an infamous spendthrift, right? Like, she's going to want it. Let them eat cake. Yeah, right. A historically accurate saying so this accurate. woman totally did not say. But yeah, this vision of Marie Antoinette as, like, really into the luxury, which is kind of true. But yeah, she seems like a good target. Marie Antoinette's interest in luxury is as true as it is of any monarch, but not more true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So actually, Louis XVI does ask her if she wants a necklace. He's like, okay, yeah, well, I'll ask my wife. And she turned him down. Marie Antoinette turned him down. She replied with this um, infamous reply, basically, that they needed warships, not necklaces. And then they actually asked her again, like a second time. And she still was like, no, I don't want your freaking necklace. I don't want your sloppy seconds. Well, this is the other thing. This is like the the ulterior motive to her saying no is that she hated Madame de Berry as much as anyone. And yeah, she didn't she didn't want to take a necklace that the old king was going to give his mistress. Like she thought that, mm. that was a bit gross. So my friends, Bassange and Bomer still have their dicks in their hands. They they're in a big pickle. And this is right about when con artist Jean de Lamont kind of gets her ears pricked up to their little problem and she starts plotting her next move. All right, everyone, get to know your new problematic fave, <laughs> Jeanne de Lamont. I will also compliment Dancy on her good French accent. I don't have that, so just prepare for this. So Jeanne de Lamont is a mega hottie. I'm putting her portrait on Instagram. She is an apex femme. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's stupidly beautiful. She's also relevant. This is all relevant information. She's a classic title-rich, cash-poor kind of girl. This is what mm. a lot of the nobility in France are. The families are noble. They're fancy, but they're chronically broke. So for Jeanne, she was an illegitimate descendant of Henry II, an old French king. So, like, she's got the pedigree-ish, but she does not have money. And just to make a sad story very short, her parents eventually abandon Jeanne and her siblings, which means Jeanne has to grow up really fast, and she learns to be a survivor. So Jeanne could wiggle into the French court. She could seduce men when it suited her needs. If she needed money, if she needed respectability, you know, she could really ensnare a man, get a marriage going to uh, cover up a pregnancy from another man. That's something that people think may have happened. (laughs) Oh, I love her. She was just always looking to get hers in this cutthroat world of 18th century Paris. Do you remember when Joanne the Scammer kind of took over Instagram? (laughs) Yes. When I was reading about Jeanne, I was like, okay, she's Jeanne the Scammer. This is the origin story. I love it. So Jeanne's most famous scam is obviously the affair of the necklace. But the actual necklace theft is just the final stage of an incredible long con. <laughs> yes, this is the longest con. When the, the necklace problem comes to her attention, she's been like preparing the ground for a long time. And the way she's been doing it is so convoluted and so entertaining 
the only thing I can compare it to is a 90s teen movie where, like, you need to play soccer, but the school only accepts boys and you're a girl, so you pretend to be a boy and then you fall in love with Channing Tatum. Like, it's She's the Man level convoluted. I love it. Well, I guess that means, like, it's, yeah, it's Shakespearean comedy levels of convoluted. Yes, exactly. That's what I mean. That's the better reference. Do you choose the teen movie knockoff of Shakespeare or do you just go back to Shakespeare? (laughs) This this is the kind of people we are. (laughs) Why not both, though? Why not both? You know what? Yeah. The difference between high culture and low culture is a myth. Shakespeare was considered low culture before he became high culture. This is just how we assign value. Nothing intrinsic to the art itself. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So (laughs) I am going to tell you all about the sort of like backdrop to the affair of the necklace. It all starts when Jeanne, the scammer, has an affair with Cardinal Louis de Rohan. I'm just going to call him the Cardinal from now on out. He is a hoity-toity religious guy who's obviously not above getting some poon, even though I'm not sure what the morals are with him being in the church. In any case, the (laughs) Cardinal has one big problem. He is not very popular with the new king and queen, King Louis and Marie Antoinette, because he awkwardly opposed their marriage. Not a great idea, my man. So he is in a pickle as well. Lots of people in pickles this episode. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. So Jeanne steps in to solve this problem while also getting herself attached to a big up in the world of the French aristocracy. Basically, Jeanne convinces the cardinal that she is BFFs with Queen Marie Antoinette. She does this by getting another one of her lovers, a gigolo forger named Reto de Villette. Gigolo forger. <laughs> Are there it's... any two better words in the English language? Although, that said, not neither of them come from English. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he has the best profession. So she gets one of her lovers, the Gigolo Forger, to help her out with faking letters between Marie Antoinette and the Cardinal. She's like, okay, I'm BFF with Marie. We're super tight. You need to get back in with her. Not a problem. I can introduce you via letter and you can start writing to her and you can patch things up and you can retain your social standing, paper over this mess of you being like, no, don't get married to her. (laughs) And it'll just be really good for your social profile. That's her con. So first she does this and she scams the cardinal out of an astonishing amount of money because Mm. in these letters she's making Marie, the queen of France, be like, I need money. (laughs) What? I really bow down to Jeanne for making this one work because it really does work. She gets a ton Mm -hmm. of money out of the cardinal. Girls, girls, get that cash. And in the process, she also convinces the cardinal that marie is secretly in love with him oh yes this is this is the (laughs) this is where you start being like really this guy i mean this guy was a dupe (laughs) that's yeah like he doesn't seem like the smartest man but this is also like again the shakespearean topsy-turvy like inverted love story very midsummer night's dream happening Mm -hmm. here okay you're the queen of france but you're in love with this old cardinal who has a record of hating you sure he's like (laughs) i buy it i think it makes sense (laughs) i'm just that sexy so the cherry on top of this already i think pretty fucking sublime scam is that The Cardinal's like, okay, Marie, it's getting pretty hot and heavy in these letters. We should meet. And (laughs) Jeanne doesn't even blink. 
She's like, yeah, I can do that. She arranges a fake private meeting in the darkened royal gardens between Marie Antoinette in big scare quotes and she's actually you know gotten a sex worker who looks a lot like her to stand in for marie and she's just hoping that between the resemblance and the fact that they're meeting at night it all works out mm-hmm. and it does yeah oh my god oh my like, god slow clap it out for jn that is masterful so all to say this is the backdrop and it means that the cardinal is just putty in jn's hands at this point and soon She puts her pawn to even greater use than before. Yes, she does. He's all primed and ready. So when she hears about the fact that there's a $14 million necklace looking for an owner, she comes up with a new plan. So she's still posing as Marie Antoinette, and she writes the cardinal and demands he buy her the necklace as an intermediary. Uh, Jean de Lamotte's like, uh, excuse is like, oh, uh, the the queen wants to buy it in private um, because she doesn't want to anger the peasants with her spending. Like that's her, that's why the cardinal for some reason is like gonna buy the necklace and then give it to the queen and then she's gonna give him money and then he's gonna give the money to the jewelers. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, and but, but card- the cardinal's like, Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the Einstein of the French court. (laughs) And the other thing about this that I just love is like, obviously the Queen of France's word is gold because all that the Cardinal had to do was to go to the jewelers, show the letter, and they gave the necklace to him without any money changing hands. Like, it's like the most basic phishing scam (laughs) all time. That's the heist. <laughs> it's really not that that <laughs> elaborate of a heist, is it? <laughs> it's like everything that everything that Lamont did up until this point to like prime the cardinal and get him to do it and get the forger, like that's a lot of work. But the the actual like cat burglary, it's just like here's this letter. Oh, okay, cool. Here's this fourteen million dollar <laughs> necklace. Um, I guess we'll just catch your payment soon. <laughs> Now, the really tragic part is that once the cardinal um, gives the necklace over and it ends up in Lamotte's hands, she has it immediately picked apart. And the diamonds are just like sold all around Europe. And that's why it's not extant. And it makes me cry because it's obviously such a beautiful necklace. And within seconds, she's just like, okay, she is like just like ripping up the jewels and throwing them in different bags. Like, I get it, but it causes me pain. But, you know, plus side, she she got away with it, right? Uh, no, she did not. Mm-mm. Here's the thing. Now that she has a necklace, she has 14 million problems on her hand. That is the money itself. She does have some money from the cardinal, of course. <laughs> She's like, yeah, of course. I know you'll pay me back. <laughs> I love this guy. So, but when she goes to drop off the money at the jewelers to pay for the necklace, it wasn't enough. And at that point, the jewelers naturally complained directly to Marie Antoinette, being like, yo, where's our money? And she's like, wait, what necklace now? You mean, you mean the thing I told you like a hundred times I didn't want? (laughs) So all of it, even with that, that all the planning and how smooth the actual heist went off, at this point, it all crumbles. And with the crime came the punishment. Yes, indeedy. This is the part where we round up the criminals and we subject them to their fates. 
So the cardinal, being the genius that he is, is immediately <laughs> arrested. Unsurprising, <laughs> complete patsy. You know what the you know what the cardinal is? He's he's Kronk from the Emperor's New Group. Oh, he is. That might be why I feel such tenderness to this terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> Kronk is pure, though. Kronk is pure. Yeah, that's true. He's he's Kronk's little devil guy. Yes! <laughs> Don't listen to that guy. He's trying to lead you down the path of righteousness. I'm gonna lead you down the path that rocks. So, the Cardinal get arrested immediately. Jeanne has three days before she gets nabbed, and she uses it to destroy the evidence, because she's actually smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that this helps her. The authorities also catch up with... Our gigolo forger, we love him, and the sex worker who impersonated Marie Antoinette on her date with the cardinal. Oh, nobody gets away. Nobody. They round him up, and they take him to court, and we get my favorite thing, courtroom drama. When the dust settles, here is what happens. A very embarrassed cardinal. People are like, oh, sweetie. You're really that stupid. We're not going to punish you. Your life is sad enough. So he's not They're punished They're like, that's punishment enough. Yeah, You've being this, this dumb, we're not going to add on to your struggles. That's a, that's a lifetime sentence. <laughs> uh, unsurprisingly, Marie Antoinette is absolved of any wrongdoing. I mean, A, she's like the current queen. They're not going to punish her. Well, I mean, they will four years later. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to it. She's not completely absolved. She's She is absolved of any wrongdoing in court. Yeah, the court is like, we don't think Marie had anything to do with this. The um, forger gigolo, I will say that combo of words as many times as I can, he gets banished. I'm sure he's fine. He seems like a clever guy. Jeanne, meanwhile, gets life in prison. She also gets whipped and she gets branded. She gets two Ugh. Vs. And it's V for voleuse, which means thief. And she gets them on both her shoulders. So now that the court has determined who's guilty and who's innocent, everyone can move on, right? Wrong. <laughs> France, some, somewhat famously, had a bone to pick with Marie Antoinette. Did you know France didn't like this mm. woman? <laughs> that sounded kind of familiar, yeah. yeah. She's already unpopular. Um, people didn't like the whole marriage between her and Louis. She had a reputation for being kind of frivolous and you know, spending all this money. And we can talk about Marie Antoinette and her reputation and whether it's deserved or not all day long. Suffice it to say that everyone should just watch the Sofia Coppola movie and <laughs> learn them for themselves. It does a pretty good job of showing how young and naive she was, how insulated from uh, the outside world she was. I think mm -hmm. that uh, between her and Louis, like the person who's, you know, most to blame for the situation in France, like she was a bit of a scapegoat, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that's very true. Anyways, everyone knew that Marie hated the cardinal because he had infamously, you know, said, don't marry this woman. People thought that she had masterminded the entire affair of the necklace just to humiliate the cardinal. No, he did that all by himself. <laughs> <laughs> the call was coming from inside this man's very, very dumb house. Now, you might be hearing that and thinking, um, well, that interpretation doesn't actually make sense because if her goal was to make the cardinal's life hard, why doesn't she also finagle a way to get the courts to punish him? Because remember, the courts are like, we don't want to punish you at all. Like, wouldn't this undermine that whole reading? Yeah, she kind of didn't really get what she wanted, uh -uh. if that's, that's what you're thinking. 
Well, the people of France, they don't care. They have complete tunnel vision. No matter what happens, everything leads back to Marie Antoinette, evil, greedy. We hate her. Cancel her. Boo, you whore. So, enter truly wild pamphlets circulating through the country. They depict Marie as a human beast monster. Also, um, leading up to the French Revolution, there is another series of pamphlets where Marie is chased by penis ostrich hybrids. Kinky. It is one of my favorite deep cuts from history, and everyone should Google it. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) But all to say, the people really don't like her. Now, this affair of the necklace has a pretty famous ultimate ending. Yeah, and we're going to get there now. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Could it be the French Revolution? <laughs> so yeah, Marie's popularity continues to sink. And along with truly abominable leadership from her husband, King Louis XVI, it all leads up to the French Revolution, which happens four years after the affair of the necklace. And if you don't know what the French Revolution is, quick note, it is when the people of France rose up to dethrone and de-head their king and queen, (laughs) along with a lot of the aristocrats who for years had made sure that there was incredibly unequal wealth being held in this kingdom. The poor were so poor, and the rich were so rich, and the poor just had enough, and they were like, well, fuck it, we're going to kill all of you and try to make something better. (laughs) So that's what happens to Marie. What happens to Jeanne? Here's her coda. So the last we saw our scam goddess, she was branded and in prison for life. But as though that could keep Jeanne down, she casually escapes from prison within a year of arriving. Oh, of course she does. Of course she does. And she's so not subtle about this. She publishes uh, like her memoirs showing her side of the story. Like she is clearly not in jail anymore. She's just living her life. She's got access to a printing press. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) And she's clearly like racking up bills, doing other cons, living large, because in 1791, she has to go on the run from debtors. And eventually she gets so desperate that she self-defenestrates. She jumps out of a window in desperation and the fall kills her. Uh, She is 35. And honestly, she's a, a real one to the end. She really is. She really, really is. And I mean, this is, I think about this story, and as you touched on, there's Marie Antoinette's role in this, which, again, she just sort of, she's just a side character, mm-hmm. really, in all the goings-on, but she gets all the brunt of the blame, and, and Jean de Lamont ends up dead from a window. And where's Cardinal Rohan? Mm-hmm. The man, <laughs> like, yes, he's a dummy, but... Like, he's he's the person who gets off scot-free and all the sort of women in this story, I guess, and the, the gigolo forger, he didn't get off scot-free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But a lot of the women in the story just get, you know, branded, put with so much blame. It always makes me think about how guilt is always shifted onto women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that that's kind of the way that it slides and, and that it's that guilt becomes slippery when it's around women, that it can like cling on to their subjectivities and like any woman could be an, a seductress, a temptress, um, a criminal, like they, you know, they are somehow vulnerable to guilt seeping into their their skin um, as, a, as a whole gender, whereas men are more individualized. Cardinal Rohan's just a dummy. He didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. He has his whole life ahead of him. Yeah, he's a promising young man. And I was going to say that in the 18th century, but going back to like at least the Renaissance, there was this idea of women as dissimulators, as liars, as, you know, you couldn't trust them, right? These are very old misogynistic tropes. But 
you know, women have to dissimulate and be canny about how they act because society is such a tightrope. So, like, you're really, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like, it's inescapable. Do you know what this makes me think of? What? (laughs) A quote from Ever After. (laughs) Oh, my God. Go on, go on. Do it. (laughs) To be fair, it's from, it's from Utopia. But, you know, (laughs) I can't believe I'm doing this. Seriously, it's a great movie. It's applicable to all kinds of circumstances. (laughs) But Danielle, played by Drew Barrymore, like goes to fetch her servant who's been in like a debtor's prison and has been sold off, actually. And um, Danielle has grown up reading Thomas More's Utopia because her father really liked it. And so when she goes to free her servant, she has this big speech in front of the prince where she says, like, If you suffer your people to be ill-educated and their manners corrupted from infancy and then punish them for those crimes to which their first education disposed them. What else is to be concluded, sire, but that you first make thieves and then punish them? It impresses the prince a lot. But it's the same thing, right? This is a society that forces um, vulnerable people, many of them women, to make these decisions to survive, and then it punishes them for the very paths that it pushed them onto. Wonderful, wonderful note. And this leads me to something I wanted to talk about, which is scams in general. Because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I think scams was a pretty hot word a couple years For ago. Sure. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about scamming now and then. Okay, A, first, everybody go read Gia Tolentino's mm-hmm. book, Trick Mirror. There's a great essay in there about scamming as a millennial phenomenon. She argues that the uh, financial crisis and in the United States, the student debt crisis has just taught our generation that the only way to win is mm-hmm. to scam. And this isn't Tolentino being like, everyone, go scam each other. Like, she's a good feminist. She wants policies that protect the vulnerable. She doesn't want individual actors to go get theirs by preying on the vulnerable, which is what every scam does at a certain level. She's explaining why scams are having a resurgence right now. Like, Fire Festival is a really big scam, but like Amazon is a scam. Amazon gets you convenient stuff by scamming its employees with shitty policies. Facebook scams its users by stealing data. Girl boss mentality scams genuine feminism by being the worst, most hollowed out toxic version of it. (laughs) the most co-optable version of feminism. So I just wanted to say that we should maybe think about today's profound economic disparity and the idea of the scam as the only way to get ahead. And it's very eerie and upsetting parallels to the world of Mm pre-revolutionary France. mm -hmm. Like, aren't we supposed to learn from history? Why are we back here? Like Marie Antoinette's rolling in her grave. It's like, did I get beheaded for this shit? You know, just to remind people that individual gains are not the same as collective gains, and we want the latter. That is all. I'm off my soapbox now. Yeah, I mean, true. Lamont can't really be the the patron saint of that because <laughs> she was looking no, out for herself. No, no, no. But well, this culture that pushes people into those pathways, like, um, wants them to be individualized. It doesn't want them to unionize or have solidarity. Because when they do, they overthrow the country. Yes. <laughs> um. So, am I agitating for a modern day revolution? I mean, like, don't go kill people, but, you know. Let's get some better social policies and everyone go watch Ever After. <laughs> Let's do that. 
Thank you for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to see Veronica's dumb history memes on social media, you can give us a follow on Instagram, which is at Yesterday's News Podcast, or Twitter, which is at Factinate Pod. And we have a new Facebook group where you can chat history with us and other fans of the show um, at Yesterday's News Podcast. Just search it and join. Um, you can also get in touch by emailing us. Our email is yesterdaysnews at factinate.com. We'll be back next week with another historical crime to dissect. Until then, don't let the bland textbooks fool you. History was the original true crime documentary. 